Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Pats Cast. As always, I'm your host, Stephen Newman, and this is episode seven now of the Pats Cast. Quick turnaround after I just did an episode last night, Monday night, ahead of the Chiefs game. Now I will bring you a recap of that game, as well as some quick initial thoughts on the Patriots' next game against the Denver Broncos. So heading into uh, the Monday night game, I gave obviously my, my thoughts on some some roster moves that had gone on, obviously Cam Newton being out, and some thoughts on uh, just uh, scheming for um, h- how the Patriots would attack the Chiefs. And also some who the players I thought would be inactive. So we'll start there because that's really where you set up the game. Uh, the the four inactives were uh, right guard Shaq Mason, who's actually out with a calf injury, which um, did obviously affect the starting offensive line. And the healthy scratches were uh, wide receiver Jacoby Myers, which is probably the biggest surprise of the healthy guys along with tight end Dalton Keene and defensive back Miles Bryant, who had been inactive all season anyway. So those certainly weren't surprises. That sets up who actually played in the game. Uh, Jumping real quick into who wound up starting on the offensive line. Uh, You obviously had at left tackle Isaiah Wynn. Joe Thune bumped back to left guard. They put James Ferentz at center uh, leading up to the game, actually. Uh, they had Yelder Froholt taking all the um, the first-team reps, like, just during pregame. And then they flipped once the game started. They decided to go with Ferentz. Uh, right guard, you had Michael Owenu. And right guard is actually his more natural position. That's where he played in college at Michigan. He'd gotten time at right tackle, left guard last week, as well as goal line reps as a as a sixth lineman blocking essentially tight end. Uh, but this this was his first start at right guard. And then at right tackle, you wound up with Justin Heron, who filled in for uh, Isaiah Wynn for a handful of snaps last week at left tackle. The reason why he started was actually because Jermaine Illuminor, right before the game, uh, was ruled out after being labeled active, so they were short a man, but because he um, he was suffering from migraines. So last minute, uh, Justin Heron got the call. Uh, obviously, and we'll, I guess we can do quarterbacks first, get it out of the way. Brian Hoyer got the start, and... Although, I mean, at times he moved the ball decently well. He he couldn't get out of his own way, frankly. Uh, whether it was through an interception, uh, I don't know what he was thinking. The last drive of the first half, he he takes. So first of all, the Patriots had just taken three timeouts, the three the three prior plays, so. Obviously they were they're out of timeouts. And he 
I mean, he's, he's scrambling because there's a rush. He takes a sack, tries to call a timeout. Obviously, they don't have one. And that's how time runs out in the first half. I mean, you can't take that sack just in general. He gave up a lot of yards on the sack. You can't let that happen. He had time to throw it away. He didn't. On top of that, I mean, time was running out in the half. So obviously, you can't do that. And he just forgot how many timeouts there were. And it's not even a matter of forgetting. It's at that point, since you just used the three timeouts, it's really a matter almost not to be super condescending about it, but it's essentially not knowing how to count to three. Like, they just used them. I don't, I, I really, I'm really puzzled by that. I was puzzled in the moment, was even more confused once I remembered, oh, wait, they just used those three timeouts. Like, I don't know, I don't know what he was doing. Uh, neither did Bill Belichick, and that got him pulled from the game at the half. Gave way to Jarrett Stidham, who showed flashes. Did have one really nice drive, actually, that resulted in a touchdown that he threw to Nikhil Harry. A couple of the uh, the young guys they took in the 2019 draft, along with Damian Harris, who I will get to as well. Uh, but overall, I mean, kind of the same deal. Threw a couple interceptions. One of them went through the hands of Julian Edelman. So I won't pin that one on him. And the second, I almost won't entirely pin on him either because really the reason why it happened was because he was going going through his progressions. Demir Bird in the end zone was really his third or fourth read. There was a little bit of a pass rush, and he basically short-armed it because he's afraid of the guy stripping the ball. And he wound up not getting the ball to, to Bird. It gets undercut interception. I mean, obviously that's not a play you want to make. No no doubt about it. But at least it wasn't a mental mistake like Coyer. It was just a... He, he tried to make a throw in a way that he just couldn't make it, essentially. Which is bad. I can forgive it a little bit. Overall, the overall point here is that, as expected... The Patriots offense struggled a bit without Cam Newton. There's a reason why they signed Cam Newton at the last minute. They they got a sense of, well, shoot, this offense isn't going to be good enough with the quarterbacks we have. Cam Newton's got a lot of upside. Let's just see what happens. And obviously, as we've seen through the first three weeks, it's worked. So, I mean, yeah, it, it was hard to really realistically expect a lot from the offense as a whole, and particularly the quarterbacks last night, Monday night. Uh, and two, it's partly just the Chiefs' defense, which really ties to their offense because their offense is going to score a lot. And knowing that, the Chiefs are able to gamble a lot on defense. They can bring extra rushers to cause havoc, try and force a turnover, they, they they can take risks. There's no reason for them to be to just lay back and give up yards because I mean if they can force a turnover, that's just it's free points. They're risks they can take because the offense will probably make up for any mistake they make anyway. So you're gonna see that. And obviously the Patriots did. They're gonna do it even more just because it's a backup quarterback. You I mean, if you can rattle a backup quarterback, I mean 
that's just going to shut down the offense entirely. So, yeah, that's what they did. That's how it looked for the Patriots quarterbacks. It wasn't great, obviously. Couldn't have really expected it. But, yeah, Cam Newton's just that important. Uh, and, I mean, until he comes back, it's it's really hard to project anything great for the offense. And, I mean, obviously that, that affected other positions as well. Like, the receivers obviously weren't able to do a ton. Obviously, Edelman made the one costly mistake with the drop. And I guess just to highlight Edelman a little further, because while he's obviously done a lot in his Patriots career, it's certainly worth acknowledging that his hands have become a little suspect. Uh, saw via um, ESPN stats and information, I believe, that um, since, the st- since the start of last season, Edelman has 11 drops. I think it's actually 12. I think he had another by the end of the game. And the no one else in the league had, since that time, more than eight. So really, he has 50% more drops since the beginning of last year than any other receiver in the league. That, I mean, gotta love Edelman and all, but that that's just not, you, you, can't, you can't win with that, especially with a backup quarterback. So, yeah, kind of is what it is there. That's definitely something to keep in mind, though, because um, obviously Brady had a lot of trust in Edelman just given... All that they'd been through and all of the tough spots Edelman had got him out of or in big games, how well he'd performed. But different quarterbacks are, aren't are going to – they don't have that type of chemistry with Edelman. And if Edelman's just going to drop their passes, they're going to stop throwing to him. So something to certainly keep in mind. Uh, and that might even tie into why Edelman's playtime has gone down a bit. Uh the this was the third week out of the four games that have been played that Edelman was third on the team in snaps on the field so definitely worth considering uh again Demir Bird led the team in snaps taken Led the team in receiving yards as well with 80. Uh, James White, making his return, actually led the team in receptions with seven. But, I mean, a lot of that was just checkdowns. You know, backup quarterback, they're going to just dump the ball off if they think there's nothing there. That's going to happen. The big surprise, in a way, was uh, Damian Harris who ran for 100 yards on 17 carries, really took the role of Sony Michel. Uh, yeah, he actually... The thing, too, is that he... Not only did he only have 100 yards on, on only 17 carries, but he also was only on the field... I mean, he, he was the number three back in terms of snaps taken. He's only on the field for 31%. 
I mean, it was a pretty even split. Burkhead was on the field for 35. James White was actually on the field for 53. They had some two running back formations at times. But, yeah, point being, he wasn't the number one running back or anything. Still at 100 yards. And he, I mean, he he looked pretty good. I, I will say that his vision just in terms of, of hitting the right hole versus being patient and waiting for one to develop was a little suspect at times. It, uh, there were a few times where it looked like he, he kind of just ran into a wall of linemen when he could have bounced it outside or something. That said, he also, on a few occasions, I mean, got past the second level of the defense and showed a burst that... Sony Michelle doesn't really. Outside of maybe actually last week when Michelle had, again, his probably the best game he's had as a Patriot. I mean, Sony Sony hasn't really shown the ability to to accelerate and make guys miss in the secondary. Damian Harris a couple times did do that. So obviously, and I said it before, you're going to want to keep an eye on, I mean, for one, just how Harris reps potentially increase going forward. But even past that, once Sony Michelle comes back, what happens between the running backs as a whole, but specifically the two of them, Harris and Michelle, because they're fairly similar. Uh, they're, they're more or less the... Not three down backs, because they're not going to play all three, but at least first and second down backs. Not going to catch the ball a ton. They're basically the same types of runners, aside from, like I said, Harris seemed to have a little more bounce and acceleration to him. So, yeah. But for now, that's that's what the Patriots have with Harris. Obviously, look good. That's That's a great performance in... Not his first game, but the first time at least that he truly got uh, contributed a good chunk in the, the offense, just in terms of like the amount of time he's on the field. He barely played last year. Uh, obviously, White, again, seven catches. Rex Burkhead had another decent out in almost 50 yards on the ground on, on uh, 10 or 11, 11, I believe, carries. Uh Offensive line was good. In fact, the the starting offensive line that I mentioned, uh, Wynn, Thune, Ferentz, Awenu, and Heron were on the field every snap of the game. They, yeah, I mean, they looked good. There's a reason why the running game worked again, because a lot of it's tied to the offensive line. Uh, I, I got to give a shout out to, to Awenu really quick. He, I mean, as a sixth round pick, out of Michigan to have played now really three different positions. He he's been he started the last couple weeks, but he'd been a key contributor on the offensive line all season. Uh, and I actually saw from Pro Football Focus they rated the uh, the top performing rookies so far this season. They had Owenu at number one out of the entire draft class. That's I mean, for a sixth-round pick, right out of the gate, to play as great as he has, 
it's it's honestly astounding, especially the nature of this offseason, which is to say almost no offseason in terms of actually practicing with the team and all of that. It's it's amazing. The, yeah, that's re- that's really all I can say. Uh was interesting, going back to the running backs really quick, that J.J. Taylor never saw the field at all this week. Part of that being tied to Gunnar Olszewski being back, taking kick and punt return duties, but also just a running back. And I guess that's really tied to James White because Taylor had been playing while White was out. But still, just something certainly that was noticeable. Uh, Ryan Izzo went back to getting the bulk of the reps at tight end. That's... I wouldn't make anything of it. It's really just tied to the fact that the Patriots ran the ball more and Izzo's the better blocker. You have a more wide-open passing attack like they did last week against the Raiders. Asi Asiel cut into his reps. Didn't happen this week. Uh, again, wide receiver, nothing you can really do. Bird had a decent night. Uh, Nikhil Harry had a few catches, nothing, nothing substantial, and Edelman, pretty much the same. And I touched on the massive drop he had that turned into a pick six. Uh, defense, look, the defense was really good. Um, they did all all you could really expect any defense to do against the Chiefs, and a Patrick Mahomes-led offense. Uh, I mean, they held Mahomes to 236 passing yards. The Chiefs ran for 94 yards on 25 carries, so under four yards a carry. Uh, Obviously, Mahomes had two touchdowns. Technically didn't turn the ball over, but boy, is that controversial. Uh, Well, for one... The Patriots could have had two interceptions on him pretty easily. Right out of the gate, the first drive, Devin McCourty dropped a gimme interception. And on another drive later in the game, uh, in the the throw at least went into the red zone. J.C. Jackson had, I mean, he got his hands on the ball, just dropped it. The third was... And I don't want to get too deep into it because people are fired up about it today. They were tonight, um, on Monday night too. But in essence, it was ruled a sack due to forward progress being stopped. The the official terminology being that Mahomes was in the grasp. What that means, I don't. I don't. I, that seems like a a almost a made up rule. I've never heard that that excuse come out before, frankly. Um, Nonetheless, I mean, just on its own, it looked like a fumble. It was also caught by the defender, Shalik Calhoun, who then tried to turn it upfield. Obviously, the the whistle blew at that point. Uh, Either way, you want to rule it, whether it's a fumble or an interception because it was caught, should have been a turnover. Uh, that it wasn't because of the forward progress ruling and the chiefs proceeded to run out the punt team and punt the ball away about as quickly as I've ever seen. I mean, presumably because they didn't want it reviewed. 
technically, it turns out, as I've heard since the game ended, which is a whole other issue, like why couldn't the refs say it at the time? But since the game ended, it's come out that that the play, because it was forward progress as the rule, and it wasn't reviewable. So, I mean, even if the Chiefs took their time, wouldn't have mattered. And it's probably the reason why Belichick didn't challenge it as well. But, yeah, I don't like to to get on officiating like that, but it wasn't pretty. Um, yeah, but nonetheless, the, the defense played really exceptionally well. And obviously, you, you change those three outcomes. It's... Is completely different because you think about it, that that McCourty dropped interception. They got a field goal off of that. The Chiefs did. Uh, the dropped interception from J.C. Jackson that turned into a touchdown. Obviously, the uh, the fumble or interception, whatever you want to call it, that wasn't called ruling. That that didn't amount to anything because all they did was punt. But and really, you could even tie in. A, uh, a, a sack and fumble on Brian Hoyer it turned into a, a, a quick um, a, a quick change, and the Chiefs got a touchdown off that, and obviously they had the pick six. So, I mean, you take out all of that short field type stuff, I mean, at that point, you're talking, you're taking out three touchdowns and a field goal. They they so they only got really a field goal on their own. I mean twenty six to ten. That's do the math. They got twenty three off really turnovers. Only three otherwise. So the, the defense absolutely did their job. Uh and I guess just to highlight as well the type of success the Patriots have had against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense. Uh so they allowed 19 points because, again, pick six, that's on the offense. Uh, that's the second fewest the Chiefs have ever scored with Mahomes. Only trailing 13 that the Colts gave up last year, week five of last year. And the Patriots also co-owned the fourth fewest points that they'd allowed, which was 23 they did that last year. So, yeah, I mean, the Patriots really don't have a massive problem with the Chiefs' offense. And, I mean, yeah, they, they didn't struggle whatsoever on uh, Monday night. And, I mean, like I said, Mahomes only had 236 yards. They held Clyde Edwards-Alaire to 64 rushing yards. Uh, Travis Kelsey had 70 yards, only three catches, no touchdowns, held Tyreek Hill to 64 yards, although he did get a late touchdown. Sammy Watkins, four catches for 43 yards, and he had a fumble as well that Stephon Gilmore forced. I mean, they didn't really give up anything. Uh, in terms of the actual coverages and whatnot, really went as I expected. They kept Jonathan Jones with some safety help on Tyreek Hill for the most part. Gilmore went on Sammy Watkins, and as I mentioned, forced the one fumble as well. Uh, 
Travis Kelsey got a lot of different guys. It seemed like he actually got Jason McCourty a good bit. Uh, but also, at times, Kyle Duggar and Jawan Williams. Um, I mean, McCole Hardman, Demarcus Robinson, they just, they got the leftovers. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, back to Kelsey. He was, he was pretty much shut down essentially all night. The only real exceptions being a 45-yard catch, I guess, that he had against Jawan Williams, who, I mean, otherwise had a solid night. But he, he got beat on that route. And he drew a, I forget if it was a pass interference technically or a hold-in, but on uh, Kyle Duggar. So, I mean, and the young guys actually didn't get a massive amount of playtime either. They were on the field... Um, Yeah, yeah. I mean, Duggar was on the field for 29% of snaps and Williams for only 14, which really highlights another point as well that um, Jason McCourty is essentially, I mean, for much of this season, but especially on Monday night, was really playing as a safety. Uh and this comes from Pro Football Focus. Uh, he had, um, on Monday night, 15 snaps he took in the box as a uh, strong safety, 10 at free safety, and 4 as a slot corner. I mean, that, that was his playtime. So, yeah. They, they, they've moved him, essentially, at least for the night, but it's also shown up a bit at times over the course of the season to safety, which works because it lets you keep Stephon Gilmore, J.C. Jackson, Jonathan Jones on the field as your three cornerbacks. It also works in situations like this where you have a veteran tight end where you don't necessarily want to keep young safeties on him, so you put Jason McCourty on him. Jason McCourty has been, I mean, he's been a part of the system for longer. He's faced these receivers before it, it was it was a more comfortable matchup so that's essentially how that went uh you talk about the front seven or not really seven but what is traditionally a front seven uh being like the defensive line and linebackers that's what i'm getting at uh i mean Inside, it was, again, Lawrence Guy got the bulk of the time. Adam Butler and Byron Cowart following him. And then on the edge, John Simon got a lot of play in this one. He was on the field 80% of the time. Most of, not only the edge rushers, but it was nearly the most of all of the non-defensive backs. Only Juwan Bentley, who got one more snap than that, got um, more play time than Simon. Chase Winovich, though, was back up to almost 70%, which I touched on last week was probably going to happen, even though he got fewer in the in the Raiders game. He, he, he came back. He actually also had a sack, uh, 
an additional hit on the quarterback and two tackles for loss. He had a good game. Surprise, surprise. Uh, and you had Shalik Calhoun was on the field for 50%. Dietrich Wise for one fewer snap. Derek Rivers took a bit of a backseat in this one. Uh, Jawan Bentley looked better. Uh, he uh, Well, let me rephrase that. He looked better than I thought he might. Um, there were still a couple plays where he looked a little out of position. But on the whole, I mean, there were also other plays where, I mean, he he attacked the line of scrimmage really well. Made a, made a couple of really solid tackles. Did have a pass breakup as well. Um, and kept the heat on Mahomes pretty solidly. I mean, he didn't have a hit on the quarterback or anything, but he at least made Mahomes work a little bit. So pleasantly surprised with Bentley. It won't show up on the stat sheet, but it's about as good a game as he's had, in my opinion, this year. Uh, Obviously, you had Adrian Phillips on the field quite a bit. Uh, He has been anyway but especially in a matchup like this where you need extra defensive backs. Um, yeah, you didn't see much of other linebackers. Although, Anthony Jennings, I should say, was actually on the field for 25% of snaps, which is the most he's gotten and he actually looked fairly comfortable. He um, he did make a play in the backfield on one occasion, and yeah, I mean, he just he looked like he fit. And as a rookie in this system, that's that's always the most important thing. Once you look like you belong, and then you start making an impact, that's when your reps go up. So this was really the first step for him, which is. Certainly a positive development. Um, Yeah, overall, the team looked, aside from quarterbacks, with that caveat, they looked good. Like, they, they, and even with the bad quarterback play, they stayed in the game pretty deep. So, I mean, to, to have held the Chiefs to... I mean, 19 points of offense. Some of that coming due to turnovers as well. Uh, yeah, the defense was great. The offense, like I said, the running game was good. Uh, Bird at receiver had a good game. Obviously, Edelman had the miscue. But, yeah, no, even the offense, aside from the turnovers, was pretty good, I thought. And it goes to show, and it's something that the national media has been talking about quite a bit too, that, I mean, you you get Cam Newton back into the offense or really just any capable quarterback, that game's winnable. That game is legitimately winnable. And, I mean, that's, that's the way that Patriots and Chiefs games have been ever since Mahomes took over. But, I mean, also before that, when they were still with Alex Smith, the the Patriots have no issue hanging with the Chiefs. And, I mean, if they face each other again at some point, like, say it's a playoff matchup. At that point, as long as Cam Newton's in the game, it's winnable. 
I mean, that's really all there is to it. It was in Kansas City, too. Like, it's not like it was a home game for the Patriots, and they had not that there's even much in terms of fans right now, but they had some kind of home field advantage. It was in Kansas City. Uh, yeah, so that that's definitely a positive takeaway. Uh, touching on some other things I've seen real quick before um, going into the Broncos game. Uh, apparently, and I didn't see it directly, but I saw a tweet mentioning that um, Albert Breer of um, NFL Network said that the Patriots, uh, and I don't know how much there even is to it, but that they could trade for three wide receivers in particular that he called out. Uh, Will Fuller from the Texans, Golden Tate from the Giants, and A.J. Green from the Bengals. Uh, Worth noting that he did not mention Allen Robinson from the Bears. That's something that I'd seen quite a bit of, I mean, prior to this rumor. I, I, I would honestly prefer one of these guys. Not that I don't think Allen Robinson is good, because, I mean, he's a legit number one wide receiver in this league. It's more an issue of him being, in my opinion, too similar to Nikhil Harry. So what you're, you're either playing like a better version of Mohamed Sanu, which, I mean, okay, he's better, but you saw how Nikhil Harry, Mohamed Sanu worked last year. It, it didn't. Um, and obviously, they, they'd have to give up solid draft capital as well, and I just, I wouldn't want to go there. You look at these guys, there's more speed. Even with A.J. Green aging and having some injury history, he, I still think there's more speed to him than Allen Robinson. And certainly with Golden Tate and especially Will Fuller. And Will Fuller actually is the one I think is the most appealing because not only are the Texans in sell mode now that they're 0-4, just fired Bill O'Brien. Like, they're looking for draft picks. They need draft picks because they don't even have, like, their top two draft picks this coming year because they traded them away. So they need draft picks. So in that sense, they're looking to trade somebody, Will Fuller being a potential guy. Uh, but on top of that, uh, I mean, Fuller's good. Like, he's a, he's a better version of Demir Bird, really. Uh, he already has this season two 100-yard games. Um, but on top of that, uh, he... So since 2018, on a, a per-16 game basis, because he has had some injury troubles, but per-16 games since 2018... Uh, he would have averages of 72 catches for 1,052 yards and six and a half touchdowns. That's if he plays a full season. Uh, so, I mean, obviously those are top wide receiver numbers, really. Uh, he's making $10 million this year. Obviously the Patriots wouldn't owe all of that if they were to trade for him. Uh, but that's to say, I mean, that's decent money. So you wouldn't have to give up as much as if he was like cheaper. Uh, I don't think he would cost, I mean, at most, like the second round pick they gave up for Sanu last year. Can't imagine he'd go for more than that. Uh, 
Yeah, and just overall, I'm not even I'm not even completely against Demir Bird. Let me put that out there first. I think Demir Bird is decent. I don't think cuz essentially right now they're using him like a number 1 receiver. I mean, he's been getting more reps than any of the other receivers. Uh he's he's their downfield threat and I think he makes more sense to me as like a better version of Philip Dorsett. Philip Dorsett, I mean, always came off the bench. They're playing essentially the same role, though. You're just getting a more dependable guy in that role. And if you're doing that, that really means that you want to replace him in the starting lineup with a better version of the same guy. And that's really what Will Fuller is. Um, I mean, obviously I touched on it. He, he's, he's, if he plays a full 16 games, he's a thousand yard receiver just based on his per game averages over the last couple of years. Uh, obviously he's a former first round pick as well. So it's not like I'm cherry picking stats or something. He's supposed to be that good. Uh, yeah. And obviously the Patriots and Texans have a strong working relationship, whether it's the front office or, I mean, I mean, you, you see it. The Texans, their roster has been littered with Patriots. Their coaching staff for years, I mean, start with Bill O'Brien, has been nothing but Patriots. Even Romeo Crennel, who's now their, their interim head coach, former Patriot defensive coordinator. There's there's a lot of chemistry there to make a deal work. So I think it's it's realistic. I think it would help the team probably more than any other trade they could make for a wide receiver. So, yeah, that's my take on that. Uh, yeah, so I guess we can get into the Broncos game now. So, I mean, there's not a lot to fear I don't think they were they're one and three now they were oh and three entering their game last Thursday night against the Jets who are also oh and three so yeah they got a win but it's against a really bad team so not a ton to fear in that sense the biggest question right now is whether their quarterback their actual starting quarterback Drew Locke is healthy enough to play uh, from everything I've seen, he's pretty much 50-50 right now. If he doesn't play, I mean, there's there's really not even any certainty of who would play in his place. Last week, it was Brett Rippon uh, out of Boise State who uh, didn't have the best game. I mean, multiple turnovers eventually got pulled for Jeff Driscoll, who, I mean bit of a journeyman backup at this point. They also signed Blake Bortles recently. I'd seen rumors from uh, Ben Albright that he, the plan was essentially, like when they signed Bortles, the plan was that he'd be able to start as soon as this week for the Patriots game. Uh, obviously, one, I don't know if they even still want to go there. Two, 
I mean, if Drew Locke can play, it's not going to happen. Uh, if Drew Locke does play, that, that makes their offense a little more dangerous, but it's still not terrifying by any means. Um, yeah, and p- part of that, too, is tied to um, their top receiver, Cortland Sutton, being out for the year with a torn ACL. Uh, top receiver would be first-round pick Jerry Judy. Um Good receiver, lots of potential. I've been fairly outspoken, though, that I I strongly question his just the consistency of his hands, just catching balls he's supposed to catch. But he can get open. So I would imagine that he probably gets the Gilmore treatment. Uh, you're, after that, you're talking about like a guy like Tim Patrick, who actually has played well, but I don't know. It seems like small sample size stuff. You've got uh, KJ Hamler, I suppose, at receiver as well. Another rookie, second round pick. Uh, running back, obviously you've got Melvin Gordon. Uh, they do have Philip Lindsay, but from what I've seen, he's probably still not ready to play. He's been injured for a while now. Uh, their defense is... Very banged up. Uh, So obviously if the Patriots offense can get rolling in any kind of way, just in terms of just playing well, like in a vacuum, that that's a defense that you can do some stuff against. Uh, Even the Jets did it last week. And if the Jets can, anyone can, honestly. Uh... Yeah, I definitely want to do some more research, as I, as I always do, just to um, get a better sense, I guess, of what the Broncos might do. So I'll obviously, I'll do that for Saturday morning, as I've done the past few weeks. Um, but that really wraps up this episode. Uh, thanks so much for listening. As always, you can find my written content, including an article that I will have to accompany this podcast at smnewman48.wixsite.com slash sportswithsteven. You can also follow me on Twitter at newmanpatscast. That's N-E-W-M-A-N-P-A-T-S-C-A-S-T. And of course, if you like this episode or any past episodes and want to keep up with the podcast, you can um, subscribe to it at any of your favorite podcast listening sites. Thanks so much, and I hope to have you back in the future.